0: Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing app for hunters, fishermen, fisherwomen, outdoor enthusiasts of all kinds. Now, it's similar to Facebook and it's similar to Instagram, but one big thing. You're not going to get criticized for posting your harvest pictures or posting your love of guns. These are things that are common on Go Wild because it is dedicated to the outdoor community, the hunters, the fishers, the outdoor enthusiasts of all kinds. It's a place for us to come together as a community and really appreciate the outdoors. And I think you guys are really going to like this. So for more information, visit timetogowild.com or or go to wherever you currently download your apps and check out Go Wild today.
1: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now... Here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Go to exodusoutdoorgear.com, enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you will receive $20 off the purchase of your trail camera. Now, we have a kick-ass podcast today and I'm going to tell you why. It's because we have a harvest from this year, opening day, that uh, we're doing a big buck profile on. And uh, we're going to be talking with a a guy named Scott Vader, I forget his last name anyway, he knows who who he is. Scott slammed an absolute giant on opening day, no, not opening day. But a couple days after opening day whatever it was this like it was like this past weekend I think and or two weekends ago. Anyway, I have absolutely no accurate information for you except that the, the information in the upcoming podcast is going to be accurate. so there's that all right it's a it's a badass podcast about a big buck um, and the story is a guy who identified this deer the year previous. They didn't get a crack at it. They put in a lot of work on the properties that they hunt, and lo and behold, they caught him on camera, and they put the pieces of the puzzle together to find out where this buck was coming. There's obviously a lot more details, so stick around for the podcast because, again, it's badass. Now, before we get into today's podcast, I'm telling you, just like you've read, just like I've talked about, just like everybody else talks about... If you want to be successful, right, you have to be able to move to where the deer are at. And that means being mobile, right? I think we can all agree on that. Um, I'm a fan of run and gun style hunting, and I do it with a lone wolf tree stand. Um, you guys know I talk about that this all the time. It is one of the best setups for mobile hunting, right? Tear up, set down, move. Tear up, set down, move. Or te- set up, <laughs> I can't even talk today. You set up, you tear down, you move, and you repeat that until you get in front of a, a deer that you're able to harvest. Uh, I'm a huge fan of running gun hunting, and I'm a huge fan of Lone Wolf. Now, go to Lone Wolf's website and enter the discount code 9FC50, and what's that going to get you? It's going to get you. It's going to get you, what is it going to get you? It's going to get you $50 off of all orders over $200. So roughly around 25% savings if if your purchase is uh, $200. So it's $50 off all orders over $200. And that discount code is 9FC50. Take advantage of that while the getting is good because the season is here and the rut is coming up fast And I'm jacked for it. Hopefully you guys are jacked for it. Um, I'm checking my trail cameras now. I made a huge move. Uh, I moved, I'm a little late, but I moved everything, all my trail cameras off the mineral and the summer ranges to the pinch points, fence crossings, travel travel corridors that have historically gotten me good trail camera pictures. And it's kind of, those areas are telling me what the deer are doing. And I am ready to start the process of checking those trail cameras, trying to locate a big deer, and start making moves on them. Uh, That's my goal for this uh, upcoming year, and uh, that's how I do it. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm freaking jacked for this upcoming season. I just want to get in the timber. I haven't got to do that yet because I have three kids, which is also another friendly reminder to everybody out there who's listening, and that is don't have three kids if you want if you want to hunt a lot don't have 3 kids um so there's that advice too but i'm way off topic let's get into today's big buck profile with Scott Vodder all right on the phone with me right now Mr. Scott Vodder how you doing man pretty good how about you man i can't complain i think uh you might be doing just a little bit better than me and i'll kind of fill that in with, you know, social media, you sit there and I'm just kind of scrolling, I'm scrolling and scrolling. And then every time I see a big buck, I stop, I look at it and it's a slob. So I reach out to you and I say, Hey man, you want to hop on the podcast? And you replied, hell yeah, let's do it. And here, here we are. Yep. So, basically what I want to do is I want, I I want to do like a big buck profile and I want, I want to dig into the story of this buck where he was living. Um, maybe some of the routes he was taking when you first heard of him and just kind of break it at, break it down. And, um, but the first question I want to ask you is, do you still have a smile on your face from the night that, or from the day you shot him?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's still, you know, beaming and whatnot I, you know it's kind of you know a, a surreal moment it's you know i never expected in my biggest dreams that i would ever shoot a deer of this caliber um and yeah you know friends and family you know are still calling and texting and whatnot and saying oh you know you still pumped about it? yeah you know i right now i'm actually looking at the rack right now and you know it it brings back you know the hunt and everything and yeah no it's the smile is still there and i'm sure it's going to be there for quite a while
0: absolutely absolutely so i think what i want to do is the the first question is i want to i want to ask what state do you live in wisconsin okay wisconsin now what when was opening day in wisconsin i think it was
1: like september 15th or 18th i'm not even not even sure okay exactly
0: so uh, and then when did you end up harvesting this buck
1: uh, September 21st.
0: Okay. So was that an evening hunt? Yeah, yep. Okay. All right. So I want to I want to go and take it all the way back to the very beginning and I want to ask you when was the first encounter or the first I guess when did you first notice this buck? I'd say I want to say it was July of
1: 2017. Um, we had picked up this, I mean, no, you know, no history with this deer at all. All of a sudden he just showed up, um, on a, you know, on a field, one of our egg fields. Um, and we thought, oh, you know, he, I mean, he looked like a, a pretty solid deer, you know, we thought, okay, he's got a bigger body, you know, he's probably, you know, a three or four year old, you know, and we thought, okay, we'll put him on the hit list right away. Um, just for the fact that we try and shoot deer on our farm that are, you know, three years or older, Okay. you know, we figure we can try and give them some the maturity, you know, and kind of express what they're going to have. And, but yeah, I'd say mid July was the first time that he, that he became, you know, got on our radar and we actually knew about him.
0: Okay. And you're saying that last year you thought, you thought he was a three, maybe a four year old.
1: Yeah. At, you know, at that time, those first set of pictures, you know, I mean, they weren't, the best you know body wise we thought okay you know he looked like a three or four year old deer yeah
0: yeah and that's it's kind of deceiving in july right the antlers may not be fully grown yet and the bucks the bucks are looking real narrow because they're not in that in that full and and at the same time their racks look huge because their bodies look thinner
1: yeah exactly that's why you know and we don't i mean it's nice when you get history with them year after year and you can tell what deer is which but I mean, like I said, I mean, we knew just from what he had so far going on and the, what we saw of his body, we figured he was going to be at least put on our hit list for for that fall.
0: Gotcha. So, so was is this a farm that you've hunted for several seasons, or was it just a, a new farm that you picked up?
1: No, this was actually it used to be my grandparents' farm, um, and then my grandma actually sold part of the farm to my cousin and I okay so I mean I've been hunting I mean I've been hunting the farm since I was 12 but I mean I've been I was going out with my grandpa when he was hunting you know when I was two three years old so I mean basically I've hunted it my whole life and I mean I kind of know the the ins and outs of where the majority of the time where the deer are going to go and this and that
0: right so and on top of that you have a good idea of the the bucks that are consistent on your farm too so when this buck did show up it was kind of a surprise right
1: yeah i mean you know when he you know as the season went on but i mean during summer you know we pegged him you know as a a load of you know mid 140s class deer and you know for us you know we normally have i'd say one or two deer in that you know class you know that scoring class on our farm so i mean he was you know he kind of fit you know the the mold of what we normally grow for that area so
0: gotcha so then what was he describe? describe his rack in 2017
1: um well he actually you know what gave him the name we ended up naming him twisted um but his brow tying the one kind of curled a little bit almost like twisted a little bit and my cousin that's what you know he's like oh we should name this deer twist and i was like okay sure you know that name seems fine but um he was uh five by four, I believe he was. Um, and on the, I believe it was his left side. He had two kickers off his G2. So almost kind of looked like a turkey foot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just, you know, he had, you know, he had, it almost looked kind of like palmation going on a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean, he was just a cool, cool looking deer, you know, and, and that stuff. And, you know, I mean, we were tickled to death when, you know, when he showed up and that stuff. So,
0: So then in in 2017, as this, as the year progressed, right, was he consistent on uh, your guys' trail cameras throughout Mm -hmm. the entire uh, summer?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, he was showing up all the time. I'm not going to say all the time, but I mean, you could almost bet, you know, because we try and let our cameras soak for two weeks, just so that we don't, you know, booger up the areas too much. Um, I mean he was on there, I'd say a two week poll. he was normally on there three or four different times, so you know, and there's you know some daylight pictures mixed in there and um so I mean we had a feeling you know potentially going into you know this two thousand and seventeen season that we were gonna maybe get a chance at him early season in okay. that.
0: so he was uh he's you're saying he was kind of like a nine pointer in two thousand seventeens that scored somewhere in that one forty class.
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, he was
0: probably in the low 140s. Okay, all right. So let's talk about the terrain on this farm. Okay. Why, you know, why was this buck on this farm? Uh, why do you think he showed up? I mean, some of this is just kind of speculation, but why do you think he was on your farm? Maybe talk a little bit about the terrain features that made this buck stick around. Yeah,
2: Um.
1: I would. you know, I mean, we it was probably about mm, 20 years ago. My grandpa actually logged this huge side hill that wraps around basically, you know, of that section where he was at wraps around basically the whole side of where all the egg is up top. And uh, so, I mean, you're talking 20 years from now, it's, we, you know, it's thicker than thick. I mean, we, we don't even go in there during hunting season. We don't even go in there during summer. Basically we go in there in spring potentially sometimes, but so it's just, super thick nasty um, bedding and then our main what we called big woods we actually had logged um, I believe in 2016 we did a a clear cut of about eight acres and then we had you know select cut up some other stuff and so then you know going into the 2017 season um, I mean that just blew up with native brows I mean we're talking everything was four five six foot high I mean you couldn't Walk anywhere, you know, and see very far in front of you. And I think, you know, he gravitated towards those areas just because it was security. I mean, he, no one, there was no hunting pressure in there. There was no, you know, human pressure, obviously. And he probably seeked it out as, okay, this is a safe spot for me to be at.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, was that kind of the conses- a consensus for the entire herd? I mean, is that logging and that terrain is where the deer spent most of their time and then they would come out from there to feed in the ag fields?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, we got, you know, there's egg below the side hill and then up on top there's egg too. And we the farmer that rents it out from us, you know, plants, corn, and um, alfalfa. And so, yeah, most of the time, you know, that's where we were getting pictures of them during the summer was in the alfalfa. Um, we also, when they logged our wood, they where they had done the, uh, the landing zone, my cousin actually put in like a little quarter acre clover plot that came in. I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, I was blown away of how well that came in, but I mean, there were a ton of deer also using that little, um, little plot and, you know, that was also another spot. You know, we were getting pictures of them during summer also on that little plot. And we thought, okay, that could be potentially a spot, you know, we kind of had in the back of our minds that potentially that could be where, you know, early right. season, we could get a crack at them.
0: Right. All right. So as we all know, September hits and, and uh-huh. maybe, maybe it happened on your farm. Maybe it doesn't. I'm just talking from my, my experience that there's some, yep. there's some kind of shift, right? Something happens yep. and some deer stay, some deer go. Did this buck stick yeah. around after he was hardhorn?
1: Yeah, on, well, 17? he he stuck around till about mid-October. Okay. And uh we our farm is kind of split in half by a by a county road and we were lucky that, you know, he was going, you know, he went to the other side of our property. That's where his fall range we figured was. So but, yeah, so for early season, he stuck around on the side where he was summering all year, or all summer.
0: Right. So was this particular buck in 2017 officially on the hit list, and how high on the hit list was he for you guys?
1: Yeah, he was He was definitely on the hit list. He was actually number two on the list. Um, we actually had another four-year-old um, that was an 11-pointer that
2: um, my cousin
1: actually had history with, he had found both sheds the year prior, um, that year was number one on the list, but this buck was closely, you know, number two, you know, and it was a toss up, you know, if you wanted to call him a number one or two, I mean, they were both at the very top of our list of trying to harvest.
0: Right. So regardless of which one showed up, they were going to, you're going to try to get a shot at them.
1: Yeah. Okay. If either one of them had walked in, they were going to, yeah, we were going to at least let an arrow fly and,
0: and that's. All right, so this buck in particular, did you have any early season encounters with this buck before he crossed the road to go to the other side of the farm?
1: I personally didn't. My cousin, who you know, owns the land with me, actually did. Um, he actually had him at, I believe it was 30 yards, September 29th. And that was, you know, I kind of remember it because it was a major cold front that came through. Um, I actually couldn't hunt that day because I was out or in a different city for a wedding with my wife. And so, you know, he was kind of giving me live updates, you know, while I was, you know, at this wedding and, um, he actually had him come in grunting at, I believe it was a doe and fought on September 29th of all days. You know, he said that it reminded him just of the rut, you know, he comes in dogging this, this doe and um, he had said that the low that night was like 29 or 30. Then, so, you know, it was a big, big front that came through overnight and he had him at 30 yards and couldn't get him to, to stop. And so that was, you know, basically the first
0: encounter with this deer that we had. Okay. So then after that was, I mean, so there was just that one encounter before the mid-October and he moved away onto the other piece of the farm, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Alright, so after he made that switch, did you catch him on trail camera on the other piece of the farm, so you knew, like, you had you had facts that said, hey man, he's over here, or was it just an assumption?
1: No, we actually had photos of him, um, and like I said, I mean, he, he quit showing up where he had summered, you know, where we had pictures of him all summer, we stopped getting pictures of him there, and then, you know, on the other side, often we started getting pictures of him. We saw, you know, the first... Time, you know, like we said, it was mid, you know, mid October. Thought, okay, maybe you know, he's he caught a whiff of a hot door or something, and you know, decided to cross over there. But when, you know, then it was day after day. I mean, there was you know, stretches where he was on camera two, three, four days in a row, and you know, we started then noticing, okay, you know, this is definitely where he's now hanging out with, um, and we figured that he had done the, you know, his fall switch that that was his fall home range. And he had just done it later than, than normal, you know, later than what we thought he was going to do.
0: Gotcha. So how long did it take you guys before you made a move on him on that, uh, on the second piece of the farm? I
1: would say, you know, it was, I mean, we kind of, we knew about him mid October and we thought, okay, you know, let's just wait till the rut, um, it seems like generally the last couple of days in October, I mean, October 28th to like the 31st, there's always a big, you know, a big group of, you know, it seems like every year in years past of running cameras that we've noticed that there must be one hot doe always in our area. And so we always get, you know, all the big bucks on camera. And so we thought, okay, you know, that's going to be when, you know, we're going to put some time in, um,
0: try and see if we can at least get an eyeball on them and, you know, hopefully even get a shot at him right so was he you know in that in that mid to late part of october when you were getting trail camera pictures of him was it nocturnal was it during the day closer to morning closer to night i mean it was we were getting you know there was a lot of night pictures but i would say you know in the
1: morning we were we were getting a few daylight pictures and they weren't you know right at um sunrise you know they were you know an hour after daylight you know an hour and a half and so that kind of was another thing okay you know this deer is i don't want to say a day walker but you know he's moving in daylight more than you know other deer other big bucks that we've had on camera before so we thought you know okay you know this is going to be another we stand a better chance of killing this deer than some of the other deer we have on the farm
0: right okay so October comes and goes. Was there any other encounters with him from the tree stand or the ground blind or whatever? Uh, not, not that I
1: can remember. No.
0: Okay. What about November? November
1: again, you know, my cousin, you know, I didn't, you know, it stayed, I didn't hunt that much last year. Cause we had, you know, we had just had a baby at the end of October and so, you know, my wife you know I made the executive decision that I was going to try and help her out as much as I could and, you know I still went some but um my cousin he hit it you know really hard and he I want to say it was early November he had him come in um some came in from behind him no shot opportunity but again he was at that I think 30 35 yard range something like that um and so I mean he you know that was the second time that he had seen him and it's like okay you know this deer in, in a nutshell almost seems like he's got nine lives you know that this is the second time now that he's been within his bull range and he hasn't been able to get a shot off
0: at him right so what happened i mean was it just was he in some thick stuff where there was no shooting lane or was he just like facing towards or facing away
1: yeah no he uh he actually came in from behind him he was actually watching a different buck um shooter that was out in front of him and he was watching him and he heard some noise behind him and, you know, he turned to look and here came twisted walking, you know, and it's a bunch of multiflower rows, that kind of stuff. And yeah. just, you know, he basically came walked right through, you know, paid no attention, you know, to him at all. He tried calling to him as he was walking away. I think it was, he said, and, and nothing, you know, the deer didn't really blink an eye to him. So I mean, it's just chalk it up to, you know, okay, this deer seems to know where to, where to walk on um, the next
0: stuff. Right. Okay. So then one, one encounter in November and then every bow hunters, you know, and maybe you guys hunt uh, rifle hunt. I don't personally, but every mm-hmm. time, ta- every time I get a big deer, right. And then the gun season hits and yep. you have these, you have these thoughts like, man, I hope he goes and hides somewhere so he doesn't get shot, <laughs> you know, and he makes yeah. it through the gun season. So maybe I can hunt him late season or whatever. Did did you guys actively hunt this buck in two thousand and seventeen during the gun season as well?
1: Yeah, yep, we both did, and my cousin once again, you know, saw him opening morning of gun season, and you know, once again, no shot opportunity and too much brush, and he came in with I think it was two does really um, on a side hill. Yep, saw him, you know, and you know, he's texting me, he's like, oh my gosh, I just had twisted, you know, but no shot. I'm like, you know what, what can we do? to get this deer killed. I mean, it's like, this is the third time now that, you know, there's a no shot opportunity and, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, for us, normally we get one crack potentially, you know, opening morning is your best chance at killing one of these big deer for gun season. Cause our area just gets hammered with right. gun pressure, which I'm sure it's like that with, you know, with a bunch of people. And yep. so we figured, okay, if this deer, you know, it, it, I mean, this was, I think, two hours after daylight, you know, after the sun came up. So, I mean, we're talking this deer, you know, it's not like it's right at first light. No, he's fully out in broad daylight and, you know, all our neighbors are out hunting and I'm thinking there's no way this deer is going to survive. There's just,
0: there's no way that he's going to be able to make it through. Okay. So then was he spending all the time on your guys' farm or was, do you, do you feel he was leaving your farm to go on other properties?
1: No, I, I'm pretty certain that, I mean, he spent some time on our farm, but, um, that particular area where he was at his fall range was, we only have 62 acres there. And we were pretty certain that, um, the neighbor to the North and the neighbor to the West, there's a giant Valley that runs through theirs. And the one neighbor did a clear cut probably about 10 years ago and it's thicker than thick, you know, it's, I mean, it's just perfect big buck habitat. Um, I figured that he was potentially living there, um, and then also the neighbor to the north. They have, I think it's like a 240 acre farm,
2: okay. and
1: there's only one guy that hunted with his daughter, and they they don't really you know they don't really bow hunt it much, and they don't put a ton of gun pressure on it. So I was almost in the back of my mind thinking, hoping and praying that he would go to the neighbor to the north because he stood the best chance of surviving if you went to that, that farm. Right. I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. So gun season, there's one encounter. Any other encounters in 2017? No,
1: nope. That was, that was it.
0: Okay. So any hardcore guy, right? You're thinking now you're thinking, okay, Uh well we didn't get him. Were you confident that he was alive after the, uh, the hunting season was over?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, before checking cameras, um, we, you know, my cousin lives right in the area and he kind of knows with, you know, talking to neighbors, you know, and, you know, with pictures, obviously getting sent out through text messages and that stuff that he figured he was probably going to have a pretty good idea if he survived or not. Right. Um, or if he had been taken, I guess. And he hadn't heard of anything. So that kind of gave us, a little bit of hope that hey, this deer maybe potentially, you know, by the grace of God, survived.
0: Right. Okay. So after the hunting season was over, when was the next time that you, well, let me ask, did you find his sheds?
1: No, no, no. We, we searched high and low. I mean, we even, this, this farm to the north of us where we thought he was potentially living, we actually even, got access to shed hunt that guy's farm and we still didn't find him. I mean, and, and we had, you know, pictures of him, you know, all throughout winter. We knew that, you know, we didn't, we had told ourselves that we weren't going to go in looking for a shed until we knew that he at least had shed one side or both. Right. And, you know, he kept showing up, showing up with both sides. And I want to say it was like February 25th or 26th or something like that, that, Finally, he dropped his, I think, left side. And so that's kind of was then the beginning um, of our, like, hardcore, like, shed hunt, you know, shed hunt everything on ours and the neighbors that we, you know, got permission on and nothing. I mean, nothing. it was, no, nothing. You know, I don't know where, you know, he, he dropped them. You know, there was another neighbor that, you know, had shed hunted too, and they didn't find anything. So if somebody did find them, they were keeping, you know, type tight lip about it that they weren't going to say that they found him
0: right okay so you you were you were watching him on trail camera throughout the entire year it sounds like even after the season was over and you knew he he dropped one of his sides you were getting trail camera pictures of him right
1: oh yep oh yeah okay it was you know yeah every week you know he was on i'd say at least once or twice you know a week gotcha i mean so we you know, he, it wasn't like he was, you know, making a big
2: giant round,
1: you know, he was, you know, sticking closer to, you
2: know, our area. And
1: mean he it helped that, you know, in winter, the majority of our neighbors don't do any food plots, don't put anything out like that. And we normally try and have anywhere from four to six acres um, of standing, you know, beans, corn, brassicas, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it kind of helps them that, you know, okay, you know, these deer, you know, once they make it through gun season and, you know, when it gets to the heart of winter, you know, I mean, they can be brutal in Wisconsin. Um, We know that, you know, they're going to have food to replenish their fat supply and that, you know, we're trying to give them the best chance to make it basically through winter and into spring in the best shape that they can possibly be in.
0: Awesome. So, then... Winners, you know, winter's over. When was the, like, did you guys pause your trail cameras at all uh, throughout the winter or spring, or do you just keep running them the entire season? No,
1: well, I mean, we had them out for a turkey season, but
2: um,
0: we
1: took, brought them in, I'd say, from like the early part of May till like mid-June. And then we normally don't try and put them out till, like 4th of July is kind of our magical time, you know, when we say, hey, let's get them back out. But for whatever reason this year, you know, we were a little bit antsy and said, you know, we got to see if this deer is going to show up again. And so then we got them out in in mid-June.
0: All right, so so mid-June. It's always toughest, for me anyway. You get those trail cameras out, and I've only checked my trail cameras one time since, man, I want to say the first week in August, right? Okay. So so Mm -hmm. I, I've got trail cameras out there that probably, I mean, they may even have dead batteries in them right now, right? Or or (laughs) full SD cards or whatever. So my question to you is when did he show up or when did you recognize that he was back for the 2018 season? I'd say it
1: was mid June. It was, I'd almost say when we put the cameras out, it was like two or three days after we had put him out with um he walked by again on this this egg field up on top, um, and we we knew it was him. I mean you see the big brows, and then you know we started thinking, okay, you know, and then he added it looked like he was gonna have two like dagger points almost coming yeah. off from his his left brow time um or his left face and whatnot. And we're like, okay, this deer. That's when, you know, the excitement started, you know, getting more and more. It's like, okay, this deer, okay, he's back, you know, at this point we figured he was five and a half years old. Um, You know, this deer could easily blow into something that we've never seen before on our, in our area level on our farm.
0: Right, right. So how hard was it for you guys to stay out of there and abide by your two, two week rule uh this summer? It was, it was
1: hard. I mean, there, there was a couple times, I'm not going to lie, where we, you know, broke our, our rule and we went and checked them after a week. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, we, we held on, you know, held true to our word that we wanted to check them every two weeks. And I mean, it was, it was, almost, I don't want to say it was clockwork, but I mean, this deer started showing up. He was only basically on one side of, you know, this top of this egg field um, that's where the majority of these pictures were. And there was, I mean, I would say, you know, a third of the pictures were in daylight. I mean, an hour before sunset, you know, this and that, okay. You know, you can take it with a grain of salt cause it's the middle of summer. There's no pressure, but, um, it definitely got us thinking, okay, you know, maybe just, maybe there's a chance to kill him again early
0: season. Okay. So, so, October or excuse me, so June, July, August, now and he's and he's showing up consistent. so basically what you guys are doing is you were just waiting for the season to start to find yeah. out where he was at and waiting for the right win so you could set up on him.
2: yeah,
1: and I should actually bring this up, but it's something that you know now that you know we killed him, you know, I thought more about it, but um at the end of July, um, Wisconsin, there was a, I mean, a major cold from the blue. I mean, the, we're talking highs were in the low sixties there for a couple of days. Um, and it got down into the upper forties for lows this year left his, his summer range and went across the road to the other side where he normally was for his fall range. Went over there for, we had him on camera for, I think two days. Then all of a sudden he was back in his summer range and you know, it kind of struck us as, okay, you know, why is, you know, and he's crossing a, a main road to get over there where he was always at during the fall. And the only thing we could think of was, was that it was a big cold front, you know, came through and it triggered something in him that, okay, maybe I need to go back to my fall range that, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of in the back of my mind. Okay. You know, and then all the pictures we had, you know, they were both days that he was over there they were daylight active. So,
0: that's crazy. That Yeah, I It's yeah. like a tri- like you said it's a trigger that it, the temperature dropped low enough to where maybe something in his biology you know said okay, falls coming, I need to go to the other Yeah. I need to get it over to the other yeah. side of the farm. Man, that's nuts. Yeah,
1: and that's, you know, that it it struck you know at first were, okay, you know, we put it in kind of the you know, the back burner of our brains that okay, this something's correlating now that, you know, whenever there's a a major cold front, he seems to be moving daylight active and, you know, he's moving good.
0: So, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense, man. Um, yeah. So he comes back to the farm after that two day, uh, and then August comes and you're still getting pictures of him, right? Yep. Still getting
1: pictures and everything's um, consistent. Yeah. The majority, you know, it's, It seems to be, like, almost clockwork, and um, I know my cousin, he actually was talking to some of his buddies, you know, because it got to be late August, and where the majority, you know, this spot where he was always at, it was – we really couldn't hang a tree sand there. And um, the way that it sets up is that it's kind of a funnel where you got two cornfields. There's a cornfield, like, kind of along the woods, but there's just – you know, a wide enough gap that, you know, the farmers can, you know, get their machinery through and the steer would use it as a funnel. And then, you know, then they would lead out to this big hay field or alfalfa field. And so my cousin's buddy said, you know, if I were you, I'd just sit in the cornfield and, you know, just sit a row or two rows in. And then you're on the ground, you know, you're not in the tree saying, you know, you're not putting anything up that he could potentially see as danger, you know, and you could possibly kill him that way. And so our minds are thinking, okay, you know, this, this could actually work. If he stays on this pattern of coming out on this spot, you know, before dark, we may actually, you know, it might actually, it might sound crazy enough that it might work.
0: Right. Okay. So you guys, you guys were already brainstorming, uh, of what, what, what conditions you needed, you know, where he was currently coming out. All the way up until the season opener. Um, yeah, did you once opener hit this year, which was the fifteenth, uh-huh. sixteenth, whatever, whatever date it was? Yeah, did, did you go in after him, like immediately, or did you have to wait for uh, a certain wind?
1: No, we actually both didn't even hunt because it opening weekend brought, I think, eighty-eight and ninety-degree weather um, both Saturday and Sunday, um, and the mosquitoes were just horrendous. I mean, we had, we had flooding going on in middle of August in this area. And so the mosquito population just like was times a hundred what they normally are. And, uh, and this brings back to, you know, what this year did, we, you know, we were checking cameras, you know, kind of, and then it started turning, you know, once he shed his velvet, we started checking him once a week, just seeing how it went. All of a sudden he disappeared off the cameras. And, you know, we thought, okay, something's not right. Well, we went to the other side of the property and lo and behold, there he is on the other side where his fall range, where he would always be at during the fall. So this deer left, you know, his summer range basically a month and a half earlier than what we, than what he did last year. And we, for the life of us, don't know why he did it that early, Um, but for whatever reason he did you know he and it wasn't just one night that he was up there he was up there you know there were a couple different nights we had pictures of him so you know it, yeah it's it's hard to say why he switched so early but he did
0: okay so the question now is is this buck you know I, we didn't we didn't really talk about it from the summer in the summer standpoint but is this buck number one on the hit list this was he number one on the hit list this year
1: oh yeah for okay. sure he was yeah, he was number one
0: on the list. All right. So describe, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and he's absolutely gorgeous. So describe to the listeners what he is now. I mean, you're talking he's a, a typical
1: 10, 5x5, five five with, you know, 7, 8-inch brow tines, um, kickers, often both G2s. He's got a little bit of a drop tine on his left side. Um, he's got, you know, two big dagger points on his left brow and, you know, just mass, I mean, the most, I've never seen, you know, just massive deer, um, palmation, almost like on both sides where his G2s are. Um, yeah. I mean, just the epitome of, you know, a complete giant, you know, deer, right. You know, everyone, everyone dreams of, you know, when they look at their cameras, okay, this deer is on my camera. That's what
0: you dream of. Right right? That palmation on the G2 on the left side is uh-huh. sick. And I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, you look at that buck head on, the brow tines look good, but you turn that and the palmation uh-huh. of, of the brow tines you can see now. Oh my God. Th- yep. This, this deer has a ton of mass.
1: Yeah. And you know, we, we knew that he, you know, the mass was, you know, good. I mean, but we've seen it all, you know, so many times where A buck will go from summer, you know, shed his velvet, and then he'll lose mass. And so, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, he might lose a little mass, but we don't, you know, this deer looks like he's the real deal with mass. And then when he shed his velvet, then he didn't lose anything. It almost seemed like it grew more.
2: Right. And,
1: I mean, so then we knew, okay, this deer is, yeah. When about did he shed his velvet? I want to say we had pictures of him, I think like September 1st or 2nd, and he still had velvet. And um, I think like September 6th or 7th, he was out of velvet. So I'm assuming somewhere in that fourth, you know, fourth and fifth range, September 4th or 5th is probably when he, when he shut out.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right. So he is, I mean, so it's hot opening week, right? And you're like, no, not going to do it. Then now, This week happens, right? So what, what, what day did you shoot him on this, this past Saturday? It was, no, Friday night I shot him. Friday night you shot him. All right. So let's talk about that. All right. What, what were the conditions that night that made you say, okay, I need to get into the tree to hunt him or wait a second. Let me, before I even uh, back up, did you hunt him any, any more? Uh, like when was, was this the first time in, or did you or your cousin, uh, hunt before?
1: No, this was literally the first time either one of us had set on the the farm for an actual hunt.
0: Okay. So did you guys draw straws to see who went first or? No, no?
1: I mean, I, you know, he, I said, I was going to hunt Friday night and I actually took off work early so I could get out earlier. Um, and he was stuck at work. He had, you know, had some stuff going on. And so he said, no, he's like, I'm going to hunt Saturday morning. And I was like, okay, you know, that's, that's fine, you know? And, but yeah, so, I mean, I think what, you know, why I picked Friday night to hunt was that, um, Wednesday and Thursday it had basically been raining on and off all day. And I mean, we're talking, I think it was like pushing in the low eighties on Thursday. I think the high for Thursday was like 81. If I remember. Yep. And by Friday, um the high was I think like fifty seven, fifty eight. And the low was supposed to be forty. Right. So I mean, just this this big, huge cold front blowing through, you know, and, and again it goes back to, you know, knowing what this deer did with big cold front, he moved during daylight. And I said, you know, I'm like, if you know, if we're gonna see this deer, this could be a potential night, you know, to to see him.
2: Yeah. Um
1: but you know it's as, it, as funny as it may sound I was actually going out to try and shoot a doe that was first and foremost my mission was you know it was a doe mission um I wanted to kill a doe just to get some meat for the freezer because we were basically running out and the spot that I wanted to go to the wind didn't work for that area I mean this area there was does basically out there every night I thought it was going to be a gimme shot you know and the wind didn't work for that where our stands at. And so, you know, rather than hunting a spot with a bad wind, I chose, you know, a different stand and, and that.
0: So, so, so what was your backup plan? I mean, you want, you said, okay, well, I'm going to go out and hunt does. The wind was bad in that stand. Yeah, but it had to be, Um, it was good somewhere else. So why did you choose that stand? And did you know that by choosing that stand, that there was a chance you were going to have an encounter with this buck.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it was a Northwest wind and, you know, it was a real strong wind all day, but it was supposed to die down towards the end of the night. Um, but that area, I mean, we, there's two really good spots for Northwest wind for like early season. They're both on, um, food plots for us. You know, one is, it's kind of like a kill plot, like a quarter acre, um, and we put brassicas in it this year and then the other stand is about i don't know maybe 75 yards away 80 yards away and that overlooked um like an acre and a half of beans and corn right and my cousin kept saying you know you got to hunt the brassicas you know you got to hunt greens and for whatever reason i had this gut feeling to sit on the bean field why i don't know um i just thought okay you know to me it seemed like a pretty good spot and you know so I elected to go to the uh the bean corn plot
0: okay so and obviously that was a good idea right because now you're <laughs> now, now you're in a tree stand and little did you know a giant is about to walk out okay so yeah. so you get up in the tree you get situated now walk us through the rest of the night
1: So basically, I'd say it was right about, I got in the stand right around 4.30. um, At 5 o'clock, I had a a little yearling buck walk um, basically right next to me um, on the trail going out into the beans. And I should add that my cousin and I, I think it was two years ago, these two plots, you know, they're only 75, 80 yards apart. We decided to take um, a tractor and a brush hog and basically mow like a funnel or you know, a trail, you know, wide enough, you know, of a tractor, you know, or a bush hog length, of like six foot through the brush to connect these two plots. And, you know, we were thinking it was more so would be better for the rut, you know, just that, you know, a buck could hop from food plot to food plot, checking does and this and that. And uh, so I, the way that the, the funnel is that the stand or the trail is literally like right below me on my right side where the stand's at. Um, and this buck, that's what he did. He came from behind me and walked the trail and walked onto the beans. Um, I'd say well, I don't know, it was probably 40 I had another you know, I had two does and a fawn come out. Um and then it was probably it wasn't till about seven o'clock at night. Um, I looked behind me and in this brassica plot I see these two little bucks sparring with each other. And I thought, okay, that's no, that's cool. And I'm watching them through the binos, and also I see a third deer approaching. and I can tell that this deer is a bigger body deer than these two. I'm thinking, oh, it's probably just like a two year old or something. No, I see the right side of twisted and I, I about fell out of the sand. You know? <laughs> how much, at this point
0: how much daylight I'm, did you have left at this point?
1: At that point, I probably had a, you know about 15 minutes of of daylight left. Okay. And, know, I, and how I far
0: think, was he from you when you first saw him?
1: And at, at this point, you know, he's probably 80, 85 yards away. Okay. And, you know, what sucks, even worse is, you know, where he was standing in the Nebraska plot, he was about 25 yards in front of the stand that my cousin told me to pick. Okay. Told me to hunt. All right. So at this point, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like,
2: you
1: know, in one breath, I'm like, I'm just, humbled to even see a deer of this size but then in the next breath i'm like crap i should have listened to my cousin because i would have got a shot at him and as you know luck would have her you know the deer gods were with me the one little buck started walking my way taking the you know the funnel that we had made um and starts walking and you know he gets you know past me and goes down to you know he's on the edge of the bean field then and I grabbed my bow at that point and I hear a twig snap behind me. And I just kind of look over my right shoulder and here's twisted at, you know, spitting distance. And you we were talking, I literally look, could look down. I probably could have spit on him. That's how close he, you know, was to my stand.
0: So what did he do? Did he loop all the way around and come up like just he take a big circle? He,
1: no, basically where he was at, he just, basically went straight west okay um and you know he my wind was you know it wasn't blowing at him it was kind of you know he still he would have had to have gone um more to his right if he wanted to to get my wind but i mean he walked the trail i mean it reminded me of a picture perfect rut where you know he he just walks in Not a care in the world, no, not freaking out. You know, you think of a five year old deer, he's going to be sitting there looking around, scent checking everything, making sure of his surroundings. And this deer just waltzed in like there was nothing wrong. You know, he, I'm assuming he was relying on, you know, the first buck that, you know, came through. Okay, if there's any danger, he's going to sound the alarm and, yeah, he'll catch it and then I'll be fine. So at this point, you know, he's he's still walking and um, he gets to about, 15 yards or so and i'm like okay i need to i need to draw my ball well i got the first buck that was that went through he's kind of looking in my direction and i have the third buck he's now directly below me and i draw real slow and i got drawn without any of these three deer knowing that i was there um and he was quartering away and you know i did the best I could to hold steady and, you know, I released an arrow at him.
0: All right. So, like, is this the biggest deer you ever shot?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I had, back in 09, I had shot a 167 and I thought, I'm not going to beat that deer. That deer, you know, I considered it to be basically a buck of a lifetime. You know, he was big and I thought, I'm not going to shoot anything bigger. Right. You know, this deer I figured was bigger than him.
0: Okay. So you drew back. I mean, what was going through your head at that time? Were, were you calm and collective or were you like losing it? I,
1: I you know, I was, I'm not going to say I was losing it, but I, my heart rate was definitely, was definitely going. Right. And, you know, I was trying to keep calm and just, you know, say, Hey, you know, mental notes, don't look at the rack. You know what he, what he is, basically just try and focus on the shot and, and that.
0: Gotcha. So then as you know, you draw back, you focus, you shoot. Did you instantly mm-hmm. know it was a, a good shot or where, where did you hit him at? I, you know, I wasn't
1: for sure on the shot. Um, I, I was pretty certain that I had hit him just by, you know, cause when he shot or when I shot, he kind of jolted to the right. And, you know, when he ran off, I saw that his tail was tucked. And I, you know, I've always heard that if they tuck their tails, that means they're, they're hit pretty hard. Um, and I watched him run about 50 yards and then he, beard off into the brush like in the woods
0: and you lost him
1: and and I lost him yeah then I couldn't see him anymore and I was listening because there's a fence you know an old cattle fence that runs you know along our property and the neighbors I was listening you know to to see if I could hear him jump that fence and I never heard it I never heard him go crashing through the woods and you know it kind of struck me as okay well why did he stop there and did he just slowly walk away you know at this point you know my mind is going a million different places you know it's i like i've told people my mind seemed like it was scrambled eggs like i just everything was you know going 100 miles an hour and um you know the two other little bucks they took off running and that stuff and you know i try you know i kind of just sat there and i listened and i didn't hear you know any gear go crashing i didn't hear them what i thought walking away you know so i'm like okay and i didn't see my arrow on the ground, so I'm thinking, okay, well, my arrow must still be inside of him, then. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, I texted my cousin to say, hey, you know, I just shot him, and so then he calls me and wants all the details, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I, I don't like, I'm trying to remember, but I'm like, your mind is just not there when you shoot a deer like of that size.
0: Right, right. All right, so you you call is your cousin coming out to help you look for him or did you say Yeah, it, he was
1: no he was he was out to eat um and he said you know i i can be there in like an hour and you know at that point i hadn't even gotten down on the stand yet and i told him i said let me get down out of the stand see if i can see some blood and you know we'll go from there
0: Did you did you think it was a good hit though what like what was your gut shot i mean what was your gut feeling i mean I,
1: I thought that it was, you know, it was good. You know, I, part of me thought, okay, you know, I wasn't, you know, it's, you're always a little nervous and you don't do the deer go down inside, or, you know, you don't know for certain that you can ring them. But, you know, part of me, you know, I, I thought that I, you know, I was steady on the shot and that, and on that stuff. And, you know, I just was praying and hoping that, you know, my shot was true.
0: Right. Okay. All right. So, you get down out of the tree, you make a call, you get down out of the tree. Did you find any blood?
1: Yeah, I found, right where you were saying I found, you know, a couple drops of blood and then I went a little bit further and found another, you know, little group of blood and that's as far as I went, you know, and I was just, you know, the flashlight on my phone, I was shining on it and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I marked it and uh, I said, I'm going to go back to the house, you know, back to my grandma's house and I'll wait for my cousin to get there and. You know, we can kind of formulate a game plan of what we wanted to do um, of how to track this
0: deer. Right. Okay. So you go home. It sounds like everybody meets up. You, you put a little plan together. You head back out to the farm. How many people are with you at this point?
1: Uh, at that point, it's just my cousin and I. Okay. I and mean, we kind of have a, a tight bond um, and whatnot. And so it was just him and I that, that end up going on the trail.
0: Okay. Okay. So you go back to where you you found blood and did you immediately pick up the blood trail again?
1: Yeah, so I you know, I put my hat where the first drop of blood was and at this point, you know, we brought better flashlights with us and you know, I made the comment to him when I looked at that first blood. I'm like, gosh, I'm like, you know, this looks almost like foamy blood and, you know.
0: So you're thinking, He's lung. like,
1: "Oh, that that's, you know, what I my my first thought was, I'm like, I don't want to say it because, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but, but you know, we started slowly going and, uh, you know, the blood trail started getting heavier. And then, you know, there are spots that you could definitely see there were bubbles or, you know, it would look like foamy, frothy blood.
2: Okay. And I
1: even made the comment I'm like, gosh, I'm like, you know, this looks, reminds me of lung water, you know, something like that. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, it's, it's looking you know pretty good and i mean we're going through the bean field and you know it's you can i don't want to say it's easy to follow but i mean it's you we were keeping up good with them and we had made it to like the edge of where i kind of saw him beer off and you know i said okay i said he started going turning right going towards the woods and for what I mean, you know whatever reason i shown my light up And literally five yards away, there he lays dead. (laughs) And, you know, I lost it. I I literally went like berserk crazy. And, you know, my cousin Kyle, he's like, yeah, he's like, I've seen some pretty good reactions from you with deer. And he's like, I've never seen you react that way to a deer before.
0: And so you're, I mean, you're was, just, you're, you lost yeah. control. I mean, this, you just shot, you just, yeah. you know, you just shot the biggest buck of your life.
1: Yep. Okay. We, we knew that, you know, that deer, you know, and it just, you know, after the, the pure, like just shock of, Oh my gosh, we just killed this deer or I did, you know, it was, you know, I got to thinking about all the hard work, you know, everything that we've done to try and kill this deer. And we got him killed the second, you know, weekend of bow season in Wisconsin. I mean, right. it just, that stuff doesn't happen for us in right. that, so.
0: So you, you walk over to him and you put your hands on this buck for the very first time. Uh huh. What's running through your head at this point?
1: I, I mean, I was just, I was shocked. You know, I was speechless. I, I was almost in tears because I was just, like I said, the amount of effort and work and, you know, the money, the time that is spent, you know, that we put into, you know, all the food plots, all the the cameras, all the, you know, you know, this and that. And, you know, it, he was, you know, our number one deer, he was right there in front of our eyes. And we had accomplished our goal. You know, our goal was to try and harvest them and, you know, we did it, you know, and, and like I've told him, you know, and he, you know, he's, he said, you know, I didn't care who killed him as long as one of us got a, at least a chance at him. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've told him, you know, plenty of times that that deer, you know, he deserved that deer more than I did just because he's done so much work for our farm there, you know, to get it going, you know, he's the one that does a lot of the mowing. Cause he, you know, he's got, he's right there and, you know, he keeps an eye on things and, you know,
0: so it was like a team. So effort. it's
1: almost, yeah. It, it was basically like a team effort. You know, it it was, you know. Yes, I'm the one that shot him. I got my take on him, but I look at it as that both of us killed this year. Yeah. You know, without his knowledge, you know, I mean he he analyzes things three times more than I do when it comes to pictures. You know, this and that, and you know, it, it was definitely a teamwork to kill this year. And, you know, I, I probably will say, you know, that without him, I probably wouldn't have killed
0: him. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes sense, man. So, so you're riding high uh, and and how many, can you get another tag in Wisconsin or you just got to wait for gun season?
1: No, I have to wait till gun season. So season. Well, I am. Yeah. I'm tagged out now for, yeah.
0: (laughs) Now you got a taxidermy bill, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. You know i do but you know
0: worth every penny i
1: I will gladly yeah i will gladly pay the money to have his you know legacy in the head mountain you know be able to when he's done you know look at him every day and just yeah
0: absolutely absolutely well scott man i really appreciate you uh taking time out of your uh out of your schedule to come and chat about uh this buck uh congratulations again and let me say good luck this upcoming gun season and to and seasons beyond
1: yeah well thank you you know thank you for you know having me and letting me uh, share
0: my story and and whatnot and there you have it huge shout out to scott congrats on that giant man uh well deserved there Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day uh, to hop on this podcast and lend me your ear, so to speak. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonix, and Hunter Safety System. Guys, if you haven't had the opportunity to go check out those companies, man, please do so. Uh, They support this podcast, and I would love it if you would support those brands because they support this podcast. Again, thank you. Um, I think that's it. Check me out on social media, right? If this is your first time ever listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Check me out on social media, right? Uh, Instagram and Facebook, not only for the Nine Finger Chronicles, but for the Sportsman's Nation as well. Go to iTunes, leave a review. And lastly, go to bustedrack.com and buy the Nine Finger Nation t-shirt proceeds from that purchase are going to go to the Quality Deer Management Association. So uh, you buy a t-shirt and you donate to the QDMA all at the same time. So there is that. I tell you what, the season is here, right? Good luck to absolutely everybody. And if you're going to be in a tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good day.
2: Thank you.